I was just sensing um, just at the end there of worship that there was this line, this lyric that was just playing through my mind and my heart just over and over again. And it, it's, it says, come and take your place at the center of my heart. Come and take your place. And throughout this whole week and throughout, um, as I've been preparing for today and, and chatting with Sal and with Pete, just about what we feel like the Lord's wanting to do in this service, we, uh, there's just been such a strong sense that um, he, he's drawing us, he's realigning us, he's renewing us back to him. He's taking us back to where it began. Just us and him. In that moment when you first said yes to the Lord, he's taking you back. I was, I was praying last night. Um, I was just praying last night for this morning and I ended up closing my eyes and just saying, Lord, what do you want to show me? And I see this vision in my mind's eye and I see myself. It's like a five-year-old boy kneeling in my living room. And I was kneeling there and it was the moment where I accepted the Lord for the first time in my life, in my heart. And I just, I began to uh, experience the joy that I felt in that moment as a five-year-old kid. Not really knowing the, the greatness of the decision that I just made, but I, I saw the joy that was on my face. And I saw the love that I experienced and I was like, God, why do you show me this? God, what are you wanting to say to me? And he was like, Nathan, I'm bringing you back to where it first started. I'm realigning you. I'm renewing you. I am bringing you back to the beginning. Back to that first moment where I came and I took my place in the center of your heart. Back to the beginning. And this morning, the Lord is just, he's so here. I love what my mom just got up and said, like, this is a sweet spot. This is, this is his presence, his tangible presence for us. And I just get a sense, uh, you know, it says in his presence there is fullness of joy. And just this morning, I, I'm just believing that people are going to encounter God and they're gonna, you're going to encounter him like when you first made your choice to encounter him. Like when you first said yes, he's bringing you back to that moment where you experience that love and that joy like you've never experienced before. He's realigning us this morning. He's realigning us this morning. So everyone just take a deep breath in and a deep breath out and another one. This is what we were created for. We were created to sit, to be in his presence, just like David was. Just like David was. Have you ever noticed in the Psalms how David's writing this poetic psalm about uh, his heart for the Lord or, or how he's gone wayward and he's repenting or God, come and save me. And you, you read it as if it's this poem and it's this beautiful piece of writing and you're going and you're going and it's getting to the, the climactic point of the psalm. The point where it's like, it should be rah, 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 yes, God, yes, yes, yes. 
And what does David do? One simple word, Selah. What does Selah mean? It means to pause in his presence. It means to breathe in his presence. This is the place of our greatest victory. This is the place where we're closest to him. This is the place where in this spot, in this moment, we become more and more like him the longer we stay in this spot. Because the very air, the very presence you're breathing in right now is him. You are inhaling him. Sailor, pause in his presence. Breathe in his presence. God, we love you. God, we honor you. God, we acknowledge your presence in this room. God, we don't want to move on from this moment for formality's sake. Just because I'm meant to preach a message that I've prepared. God, we don't want to move on just for that. We want you. We want whatever you want, God. We want your will in our lives, your kingdom come, your will be done. It is only you that we want, God. It's only you we want. I just get a sense that he's not ready to move on yet. We're not meant to move on yet. This moment, he, he wants us to push deeper into this moment. And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to sit in silence. It's awkward. But he's here in the awkwardness. He doesn't care about our awkwardness. He just wants our hearts. He wants your heart. Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, he wants you. So I just encourage you right now, just push into this moment a little bit more. Whatever that may be, whether it be open up reading your Bible, closing your eyes and asking the Lord to speak to you and listening to what he says, whether it even be just sitting in silence because you just don't know what to do. Let's just push into this moment a little bit more because he's here and he's wanting to encounter you today. God, we receive what you have for us. God, we welcome what you have for us. We welcome your peace. We welcome your love. We welcome your goodness. We welcome your discipline. We welcome you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we welcome you. You know, I so often have this view of God like an onion. Who's seen the movie Shrek? You know, when uh, Shrek's talking to Donkey and he's like, ogres are like onions. You got to peel back the layers and peel back the layers and peel back the layers. I often think like of God as an onion <laughs> in a weird way where he, he invites us. He gives us, he gives us his full self. Do you know that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you receive the fullness of him? My question that I always think about is, God, why can't I experience that fullness I'm seeing I, I know I have your fullness but why am I not experiencing or seeing your fullness 
And this one day I was talking to him about it and he was like, Nathan, I'm like an onion. It takes time to peel back the layers. And it takes time for you to understand and get to know me. And, and each time you pull the layer back, have you noticed as well when you peel an onion or when you cut an onion, the more you get into it, the more your eyes start to like tear up and the more your eyes start to water. He, he said, Nathan, I'm like that because you, you need to learn and you need to be in a position where you can handle more of me. And in his goodness and in his sovereignty, he only gives us what we can take. In his goodness and his love for us, he's like, no, I, I know that you can't handle the fullness of me. I know that your character isn't in the place to do that. I know that, you're, that you, you aren't ready for that. So I'm going to hold that back a little bit. And you can experience the layer that you're at right now. He's like an onion, a smelly onion. One that'll make you cry real good. <laughs> so good. So good. How nice is it to have keys in the background? I think about that all the time. All the time. I just like, oh, if I can have keys playing while I speak. It does something for me because it, it makes me feel like, uh, it makes me feel just so... Oh, like it positions my heart in a position of like wanting to continue to worship him. I don't want to just speak for the sake of speaking. I don't want to communicate good words that I have down in my journal. I want to, I want to always be in a position where I'm worshiping him. And when I hear music, uh, 50% of my brain is thinking about what I'm going to say next. And 50% is thinking about, oh, I just want to sing right now and just worship him. And my heart is in a position of worship. Because he's so worthy. He's so worthy. He's so worthy. And I've just, that, that's just been going on and on in my mind this week as I've been preparing. Um, I've, been, I've been really pushing into the Lord this week and, God, what are you wanting to say? You know, what are you wanting to do? What, what are you doing this week, God? Um, and he's brought to mind for me three, three different stories in the Bible. And these, these three stories are completely different, no related context at all. The, the first one that we're going to look at in a moment is um, Adam and Eve. And then the second one is Abraham. And then the third one, we're going to look at Thomas uh, in the New Testament. And just as I've been praying this week, like, God, what do you want to say? The phrase, the phrase came to my mind, it was actually last Sunday morning, I was driving to church and he was like, he, he just... I was driving along, singing a worship song, and he says to me, Nathan, who told you? I'm like, huh? Where did that come from? Who told you? What's that? And he's like, Nathan, who told you? Who told you? Who told you? I'm like, where is, I've, I've heard that before. Where is that from? And uh, he was like, it's in Genesis, Nathan. So if you have your Bibles, it'll be good to open this up. And we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 3. Do you need a chair or are you good? You good? Thank you. Everyone give it up for Rachel. She's just killing it. Oh, in Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? 
And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not, you, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruits and ate. She also gave it to her husband and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And it says in verse 8, And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said, Where are you? Adam replied, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid myself. And the Lord says to Adam, who told you that you were naked? 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 You know, I used to have, I used to, in my innocence and in my youth when I was younger, I used to think like, I would read this story and I wouldn't really read the story. I would just know the story. You know, they teach it in Sunday school and, you know, I've seen it done many times before. And I used to think that God, I used to miss a part where God said, who told you? And I used to just think like, oh, God finds them. And then he curses the serpent, curses Adam and Eve, kicks them out of the garden, done. That's what I used to think. I used to think that God found them, that he knew where they were because God knows everything and he just did it and it was done. And probably a few months ago now, I was reading back through Genesis and I read this line. I read, I read this line where the Lord, in, he, in knowing everything, the all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty God, asks, where are you? Adam replies. And, and him knowing who told them and him knowing that they've eaten the fruit and him knowing what has just gone down because he knows everything. He still asks, Adam, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that we were naked? And we know what happens in the rest of the story. Adam says, Eve gave the fruit to me. And then Eve says, oh, well, the serpent deceived me. And then God goes on to curse the serpent, um, which is a really awesome verse. I won't read it for the sake of time, but... I'm going to read just one part of it. And the son, the sons of the women, the seed of the women shall bruise the head of the serpent. That's that's our promise right now, where we are right now. We, We have been given the authority and we have the victory to crush the head of the serpent, which is really awesome. That's really good. That, that makes my heart like get really excited. But God says, who told you? Who told you you were naked? Mm. 
That makes me want to cry. That makes me emotional to think about the God of the universe. And and I can imagine what it would have been like. I I can imagine God walking in the garden, the cool of the day, trying to find Adam and Eve, because this is something that they do every day. They walk together in the cool of the evening, in unity, in, in, in connection. And God says, where are you guys? Hey guys, I'm here. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? To find them hiding and then, to, and then to reply, who told you that? Who told you that? That isn't what I told you. Who told you that? Who told you that? And I was, as, I was, as I was praying this morning and what I was getting out of that was, God, God told me, God asked me this question, Nathan, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? So I want to ask you guys this morning, who are you listening to? Are you listening to the beautiful serpent who was unlike any other creature that God made that was in the garden? Or are you listening to the truth? Are you dwelling on the truth? Are you reflecting on the truth? Are you believing the truth? Are you believing him? Are you listening to him? Because we know what God says about Adam and Eve. We know why God created them. We know, we know what he said to them, the, the, the rules and the promises and everything that he gave to them. And still at some point in time, we see Eve and Adam here become deceived. They begin to listen to something else. They tune their, their wavelength, their radio wavelength. I often think like, oh God, like, you know, listening to God is like you have like one of those old stereo speakers and you have to tune the dial to like find the right frequency. I think like, oh Like that's like us and God. We're always constantly tuning our dial to find the frequency that he's speaking. What frequency are we tuning into in our lives? What frequency? The next story I want to look at is in Genesis 22. And this is the story of Abraham and Isaac. Now, just to give you guys some context of where this is at, in chapter 22, it's the beginning of the story of how Abraham and Isaac go on a journey where Abraham is going to take Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice him because the Lord has told him that. Abraham is 100 years old. Super, super old. Super duper old. 14 years ago, when Abraham was 86, Sarah gave Abraham Hagar to take and then to obviously have a child with. (laughs) I was just thinking, are there kids in the room? But they're not. They're in there. So Abraham and Hagar had sex and they had a child. And the child was called Ishmael. This is one of my favorite stories. And this is a story that I've learned so much out of. I'm going to ask you the question, what are you, who am I listening to? What are we listening to? Because we see the story of Abraham, where much earlier in Abraham's life, God gives him a promise. He says, look up at the stars, look up at the sky. And the amount of stars that are in the sky, you cannot count. And this represents the descendants that I'm giving you. And then we find Abraham at the age of 86, and he's like, God, God, Sarah is like, God, where are you? God, this promise, we're holding on, we're holding on, we're holding on. Oh, oh, we're holding, oh God, we're holding, oh, maybe we can figure out something else. Maybe we can do it ourselves. It sounds very similar to what happened in, in Genesis where, where Eve knows, don't eat the fruit, don't eat the fruit, don't eat the fruit, don't eat the fruit. Oh, but it looks good. Oh, oh it looks really yummy. Oh, maybe I'll eat the fruit. Very similar. And so we see here in, as Abraham takes Hagar and lays with her, has Ishmael, and he, he began feeding on 
his own thoughts and his own desires and, and putting things in his own timing. But he learnt. He learnt from his mistake. And we go on to read in chapter 22. I'm going to read uh, from verse 4 onwards. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad, or Isaac and I, will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. I just want to highlight something. Abraham at this point knows what the Lord has asked him to do. Abraham knows that he's taking Isaac to go up to the mountain to lay him down and sacrifice him. And Abraham, before he's seen the lamb, which is going to be used for the sacrifice, he says to his servants, Isaac and I will go yonder and worship and we will, we will, we will come back to you. You see, Abraham here, he makes a statement of faith saying, even though he's made mistakes in the past and he took God's promise into his own hands and had a son called Ishmael, he's learnt from his mistake because he's experienced God's faithfulness in his life with the birth of his son Isaac when he was 100 years old. And so Abraham here says to his servants, we will go and we will come back to you. We will go and we will come back to you. Who is Abraham listening to to make a statement like that? I would dare say that he's listening to the Lord and not his own thoughts, not his own understanding. Because I, I don't know about you, but if I was Abraham in that moment, and I, the Lord told me, hey, Nathan, take your firstborn son, the one that I promised you, the one that you had to wait 100 years for, take him up to a mountain and sacrifice him. Oh, my Lord, can you imagine the feeling? Can you imagine the doubt and the concerns and the worries running through his mind? Can you imagine how hard it would be to center yourself on the truth, to know that God is faithful and he will provide the sacrifice? And we see here, Abraham takes a stand because he's seen what the Lord has done. He knows that the Lord is good on his word with Isaac. And he says, we will come back to you. And then in verse seven, it says, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. This is Abraham talking to Isaac. And then Isaac says back to Abraham, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham again, makes a statement of faith. And he says, my son, God will provide. My son, God will provide. My second question to you this morning, as I've been preparing, is a question that I'm going to explain. And the question is, what am I feeding on? What am I eating? What are you feeding on? You see, I would say that Abraham has been eating a lot of faith. And he's been eating a lot of truth. And he's been eating a lot of what the Lord says to make statements like that. What are we eating on? What are we drinking? Because I know in my life, there are times where I'm like, I have a promise from the Lord and I see a promise from God. And then I see my current reality of where, where I'm at and the promise and the reality don't match up. And there's always, there's always a moment and there are always moments where we have to choose. There are moments where, where we're there and we're just before the Lord and we're like, God, 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 this doesn't make sense. I don't understand. I don't understand. I, 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 I'm doubting. God, I'm not sure. What do we choose to feed on in those moments? What do we choose to feed on in our regular lives? Are we going to eat the good fruit? Are we going to eat the truth? Are we going to eat his faith, his faithfulness, his goodness? Are we going to stand upon that? 
because I, 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 I sure try to in my life. And we're meant to. We are meant to stand upon that. And then if you want to flip to John chapter 14, it's one more story. And then hold John chapter 14 in one finger and then flip over to uh, John chapter 20 as well and chuck that in another finger. This is a story, or this is part of the story of a disciple called Thomas. Who here has heard the saying, doubting Thomas? Most people have. Doubting Thomas, good old doubting Thomas. Oh, I have a lot of respect for this man. I think he gets a bad rap a lot of the time. I think the word doubt gets a bad rap a lot of the time. I don't think doubting is bad. I think the action that you take from a position of doubt is the thing that could be good or bad. Because in our human nature, we, we, we have thoughts. Because there's always what the Lord's saying, there's always what we're thinking, and there's always what the enemy's going to be saying. As you saw in the garden. Because the Lord says, don't eat the fruit. The serpent comes in and says, did the Lord really say not to eat the fruit? In a high-pitched voice, exactly like that. Did God really say to not eat the fruit? But, but you know what I'm saying, like, there's always things that we can be listening to. And I would like to say that doubt, as I just said, doubt, I don't think doubt's a bad thing. But I think the position that it takes in your heart and the action that you take from your doubt, that's when it can either go one way or the other. And so we have Thomas here in chapter 14 in verses 5 and 7. It says in verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? So you see, Thomas here is asking a question because he's not sure. He's like, God, what do I do? And the Lord says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you will know my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. So Thomas here in this moment has a doubt, has a thought like, God, how do we know where to go when you are the way, but you're going somewhere? So he's doubting. He takes his doubt to the Lord and he actually surrenders his doubt to the Lord by asking him a question. And then flip over a couple of chapters into chapter 20 and we're going to look at verses 24 through 29. And so Jesus has just appeared to his disciples. He's risen from the grave. He's appeared. But Thomas wasn't there the first time when Christ appeared. How funny is that? Thomas, the one who was asking where, how are we going to know the way? And the first time Jesus shows up to the disciples, Thomas ain't there. He missed out. But the Lord comes back again. And it says in verse 24, Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, who was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord, they said. And he replies, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. That's a powerful statement. I will not believe. I will not believe until I see. Goes on in verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came with the doors being shut and stood in their midst and said, peace be to you. And then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas replies to him, My Lord, my God. 
Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. My third question to you this morning is, in the midst of promises not coming to fruition yet, in the midst of your questions, in the midst of everything that's going on in your life, my third question is, what are your actions going to be? What are you going to do? Because there are one or two things you can do. You can turn to the Lord and surrender. Turn to the Lord and believe. Turn to the Lord and experience and see it. Or you can hold on to your doubt, hold on to the concern, and you can worry, maybe even take things into your own hands like Abraham did. Maybe eat the fruit that looks desirable because it's there in front of you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Who am I listening to? What am I eating? What am I feeding on? And what am I going to do? Those are the three questions that the Lord has been over and over this week just hitting me with. Who am I listening to? Nathan, who are you listening to daily? In each and every moment of every day, who are you listening to? Daily, Nathan, what are you eating today? What spiritual food are you eating today? Are you going to sit at home and watch Netflix for five hours? Or are you going to spend time worshiping me, playing your guitar, reading your Bible, praying, spending time with me? What are you feeding on? Nathan, what are you going to do? Nathan, what are you going to do? You have doubts. Are they going to be surrendered to me? Are they going to be surrendered to my will? Are you going to surrender them to the fact that I'm faithful and I'm good? Or are you going to doubt? Are you going to worry? What are you going to do? So just in closing, I just want to encourage you guys just to close your eyes. And I want you to reflect with the Lord on these three questions. I'm asking and I'm posing these questions and I'm sharing these stories not to bring condemnation and shame. Because there there is no condemnation and shame in this. But I'm sharing these things with you to challenge you and to inspire you and to tell you that the Lord in his goodness, in his faithfulness, in his sovereignty, he's knocking on your door. He's knocking on your door this morning. And, he, and he's been saying it to me Nathan, all week. Nathan, who told you that? Nathan, who told you that? Let me tell you something better. Nathan, who told you that? Let me tell you something better. Nathan, who told you that? Nathan, who told you that you could sit at home and watch Netflix? Who told you that there was good food to eat? Let me tell you what's good food to eat. Nathan, who told you that? So just take a moment. Invite him, welcome him, accept him. And think about those three questions. Who am I listening to? What am I eating? Who, what am I feeding on? And what am I going to do? Holy Spirit, we invite you. We invite you, come and have your way. Come and have your way. Just take the next couple of moments to yourself in the Lord. God, thank you that you speak to us. God, would you tune our, our eyes, our ears, our hearts to your radio wavelength this morning? God, would you tune us into you? Would you tune us into you? God, would you reveal to us the food that you want us to be eating? God, you, would you reveal the things that will bring fruit in our lives? God, would you also reveal the areas 
that aren't bearing fruit right now? And would you reveal the things that we're eating that we're not meant to be eating right now? Would you reveal that to us, Lord? Would you show us so that we can have more space and more room for you? And God, would you direct us? Would you show us your will? God, would you give us the courage and the strength in the middle of our doubt to stand up and say, God, I don't know, but I trust you. God, I don't have the answers, but I trust you. God, I don't, I don't need answers. I just need you. You are my answer. God, would you give us that courage and strength just like Thomas did? Just like Thomas. Just continue to reflect with the Lord. Just in closing today, I, um, I was like, God, what do, you, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want to happen? What do you want to do in our hearts? And just in chatting with Sal, we really felt like the word realignment, just like really strongly this week. And so I, I, I would encourage you, just take the next couple of moments just to continue to be with yourself and the Lord, reflecting on these questions. Um, and when you feel ready, we, we have communion just over here. And when you feel ready, I, I want you to go and take the pieces of communion and just take communion in your own time with the Lord. And just know that as you eat his, as you eat his body, <laughs> as you eat the bread of life, and as you drink his blood, the blood that covers you, he is realigning you to truth. He is realigning you with hope. He's bringing you back to the beginning, back to where it's just you and him. So just take the next couple of moments for yourself. And when you feel ready, come over here and grab communion.